your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. Coming up on the show in just a couple of minutes, UW Lacrosse football coach Matt Janis. As the team, this is going to be a sports show today, people. The team is preparing for a home playoff game for the first time since 2006. They're playing Minnesota Morris. They're one of four top seeds in the Division Three playoffs. So uh, they have a number one seed. This is kind of a big deal. It's been since the 90s, since UWLs won a national championship under Coach Roger Herring, which the stadium is named after. So uh, we're going to get to know the team, some of the players, what to watch for, all that. The game is at noon on Saturday. And hopefully, hopefully they break an attendance record. Um, more sports. The the Senate earlier today passed the Milwaukee Brewers funding. It's it's always it's a it's kind of a mouthful. It's it, we're not we're not giving the Brewers five hundred million dollars, but we kind of are. But we're upgrading and renovating the stadium. That's going to cost the state and county and city of Milwaukee five hundred million dollars. Because the state kind of owns the stadium. There's a, they, they, there's a stadium district, and that thing owns the stadium. But the state owns the stadium. So we have to, we have to renovate it. And we have to, the brewers have us hostage. That's basically what this comes down to. Because if we don't renovate the stadium, the brewers threaten that they're going to leave. Which teams do all the time. I listened to a podcast out of a Miami a couple of weeks ago where the old general manager, or, or, or yeah, I think he was the GM of the Marlins, uh, that's one of the worst stadium deals in the country ever, is Miami paid for this Marlins stadium. Uh, nobody goes to Marlins games. And and uh, they totally bilked the public out of, you know, millions of dollars. And the team threatened the the city that they were going to leave. And that's exactly kind of what the Brewers are doing Although they, the Brewers are saying all the right things, but it's it's not to the point where th- they understand that the the state was going to pass this bill giving uh, $500 million in public money to upgrade the stadium. So there wasn't this like real huge exodus threat, but the uh, the commissioner of Major League Baseball has kind of made that, that notion, and there's teams or cities out there that would like to inherit the Brewers. Uh, so there's these like general threats, but $500 million. What's interesting, Brad Pass, state senator here, he, when he has come on with me, he's he's kind of been up in the air. He's never really said yes or no, but that's kind of, you know, I guess Brad Pass might be one of the better politicians and talking a lot without saying much. Uh, he's always been kind of on the fence. He voted for the bill. Uh, so uh, it, what what I thought was interesting is the senators that voted against the bill were all from Milwaukee. <laughs> So they're Democratic senators that passed, I think it passed 19 to 19 to 14. Uh, the three Democrats in the Milwaukee area all voted against it. And I think that's important. If the three senators in the district where the brewers would be, where the, those people would be most affected by spending $500 million on stadium renovations, they're not for this deal, then I think you need to go back to the table and get them on board, or at least one of them. You didn't get any of them. So I thought that was pretty interesting. One of the amendments to the bill, uh, to, to passing this bill, and it's all a done deal because Governor Evers has said, 
And in fact, he maybe signs it today yet because the, you don't want to be the, the politician that doesn't want, or you don't want to be the politician that, that, that could be responsible for the brewers leaving town. If it ever got to that, we never really got to that point because it passed the assembly. No problem. The Senate made some amendments and it's been kind of a, a back and forth, but the, the, we all knew that this was going to happen. Um, but one of the amendments is to uh, increase the ticket tax. So this was uh, like, like this is important, but I think it's so funny because we're going to just charge more on top of what the tickets already cost. So adding a ticket tax. So what's that do? It just makes tickets more expensive and it just taxes the people that are already paying to upgrade the stadium. And now it taxes them more to go to uh, non-brewer events. So it doesn't even tax brewer events, just non-brewer events. Uh, and and the state like gets that ticket tax money back, but why not just why not just split the cost of the non-brewer events? State gets half, brewers get half. If we're doing the thing where we're upgrading the stadium so that we can have like winterized, we're winterizing the stadium so that we can have events that are outside of baseball. Um, why not just why not just split that? It's, I I just feel like we the the state is held hostage in this way. Uh, you can't be the politician that that doesn't pass a bill that would allow the team to uh, have an excuse to leave the state. So that's that's gonna the conundrum we're in. We sh- I think we should have fought harder for it. But anyway, it's a done deal. Governor Evers is already when when the governor says I'll pass anything the Senate and the Assembly bring me, and and the governor doesn't like anything the Senate and the Assembly ever do because they're led by Republicans. Um, you know that it doesn't matter then, right? We're just going to give money. And all the numbers out there that that report how much the brewer's owner is worth and how much the brewers are worth, those numbers are all outdated too. So it's annoying to see uh, some of those numbers as well because they're all like pre-pandemic and pre-other teams selling for billions of dollars. Um, so it's it's hard to to gauge just what the brewers are worth, what the owner is worth, what they could afford to put into the stadium. They're putting $100 million in. Anyway, not a big fan even though I'm a big fan of sports. And we're going to continue that, but we're going to talk football when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. On the phone with me now is UW Lacrosse football coach Matt Janis. We're going to make Wisdom a sports show today, Matt. Thanks for for taking some time out uh, of your busy schedule because I imagine that if you wouldn't be doing this, you would just... Now, Are you? maybe you are. Maybe you are. Are you watching tape in the background while we're doing this interview of Minnesota Morris? Well, uh, to, to not not gonna lie, uh, I'm not watching it currently, but yes, it's all, all everything spread out right in front of me. We got all of our notes, our defense staff got all these whiteboards uh, covered in, in our new install here, and all that stuff as we go along. Did, did I did I go? Did, was that a good idea? You're like, you know what? I could probably hit play here and watch some tape while I'm doing this interview. <laughs> I, you, I, I, well, if you, you could ask my wife. I can't multitask, but you you would just be able to. You'd be able to tell from me, like, oh, he's not listening at all. I, I couldn't be. I w- I'm not able to do that. Don't have that skill. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Janice is the is in his kind of his third year or fourth year, if you want to count COVID as the football coach at UWL. They're nine one this season, as I said, and. Uh, undefeated in conference for the first time in, since 1996. Uh, they're, they're hosting Minnesota Morris on Saturday. It's the first home playoff game since 2006. And getting in the playoffs is is not an easy task. And Janice has gotten his team to the playoffs three seasons in a row. Janice, I've been here for a long time in lacrosse. I've always said that UW lacrosse has the best football field in 
you know, if you want to say Lambo, okay, but like the backdrop of the UW lacrosse football field is the best in the state, maybe the country. Uh, there might be some mountainous football fields, other places, but uh, so I, I feel like you're starting to set this tone of, you know, the expectations for this team are what I feel should be, be just because of the backdrop of the bluffs in the background. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, obviously one of the most scenic uh, environments in all college football. And, you know, it's so cool because it's so, it, it changes, you know, it changes on a season to season basis to go from, uh, you know, the leaves changing colors to, you know, pretty soon we're going to have snow and all that stuff. So it's really cool that it changes like that. And certainly, certainly does create that kind of expectation. But I also think the, um, you know, the expectations of, of lacrosse and, and UW lacrosse and the community, the, the expectations they have for us too, and the, the history that, that has been played here at UW lacrosse uh, creates that expectation of, of wanting to win conference championships and having to uh, have playoff games at home here. Also this year too, the, thank, thank you. Well, I'll thank you for the community for for being good, for being nine and one, for being ranked fourth in the country and making the playoffs and having one of the top four seeds. Four teams get top seeds, and you got one of them because the Packers are awful. The Badgers of our football team is is uh, the Badger football teams. Uh, the Bucks are off to a horrible start, and uh, the Badger basketball team's already lost. And Craig Council left the Brewers, and, and we're all the dis- Cubs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. So at least we have UW Lacrosse football to cheer on. I know UW Lacrosse cross country is in the national championships. The women, men's and women's team, and the soccer team is continuing on. Um, but you know, when when we're setting records for fans at UWL football games, and I feel like we might do that again this year. We set one record at one game. Uh, we might set the attendance record again on Saturday, huh? That would be awesome. I mean, it's, it's pretty special. We played in two games this year already that were. That were record-breaking uh, attendance numbers, and to be able to to break our attendance record at home is so special. You know, I tell tell our kids all the time that that the biggest X factor uh, that we have over everybody else is, is the love that they have for lacrosse, right? Whether it's for our university, the love that they have for for our city, and, and like we were able to see this year, uh, and what makes it so special and why it's the X factor because the city just loves them right back, and they love them right back, and they can feel that, and they can play off of that. So. Certainly hope we, we can break that record again. Now, I'm going to go back to expectations. We haven't had national championships since, since the Roger Herring days of the 1990s. Two national titles there. The damn stadium is named after the guy. Uh, I think you took over when he passed away right around that same time. Uh, do you think about national titles, or are you going to give me the one-game-at-a-time line here? No, I mean, that's been, that's been the, the, the vision since day one that I took over. and We talked. Uh, specifically uh, in our program, and we, we, I actually ask our kids every day. That's how we start a practice. We start a meeting. I ask them, you know, why, why are you here? And they tell me the experience, which is the culture of our football program. And they'll yell that back, and then I then I yell at them, what are we pursuing? And they will always give me uh, two numbers, and they'll say, you know, this year it's been it's thirty five and four, and that is those numbers are a direct relation to our thirty fifth conference championship in school history and our fourth national championship in school history, and. I always want them to be remember to remember that every time we're doing something, a lift, a practice, a meeting, that that's the first thing they think. Well, I'm in this room because we are trying to pursue those two numbers, and obviously coming from such a a rich tradition, I mean to have that kind of history, I mean that that that's really really special. So everything's about the pursuit of that, and and obviously having achieved the first part of that number and, and able to secure our 35th conference championship last week uh, was pretty special, and now it is it is a, it is about number four now. It's about the the fourth national championship in school history. And, you know, there's only 32 teams at this point that have a chance to do that. And, and we're one of them. So as I told the guys yesterday, 
enjoy the moment, enjoy what you got, and just play like hell for this. We're speaking with UW lacrosse uh, head football coach Matt Janis. They're nine and one. Like you said, they've won conference. That the first time undefeated in conference since '96. They play Minnesota Morris uh, at home on Saturday at noon. It's the first home playoff game since 2006, so it's been a while. Um, all right, I want to get to know the team a little bit, but for first, get to know the coach. You 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 played at Platteville, then you you coached at Platteville. Uh, you played linebacker, right? Were you a good linebacker? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I knew what I was doing. I knew my assignment. Uh, you know, I, I think I jumped on a lot of piles. That gave me some credits for some tackles, you know, a little <laughs> bit more tackles than I probably really had. But uh, I, I don't know if you would say, certainly not what do I have on our team in terms of the talent that they have. I, I did not have any of that. Did you play long enough ago where there's no film? Like, you know, in today's world, I just this just popped in my head. Uh, you know, as coaches get old, as your your guys get older and they go on to coach, it would be pretty easy to go back and find some funny film. You know, there's always, like when you say diving on the pile, has anyone ever done that to you? Any of your players ever done that to you, embarrassed you, found an old tape of something? They, they, yeah, they, they, they find the, the pictures of me playing, I think, is what they find. There's, there's not a lot, like, you know, they, it was before, you know, like the huddle software that, that we use in football. Now, before that came out, so there's not like, you know, I think like these kids now, like their highlight tapes can always kind of, kind of be, you can just kind of like, even like for us recruiting, right? We just, we can Google somebody's name and then we can Google their high school. And within a second and a half, I had their high school highlights uh, sitting and I'm watching them. Right. So we didn't have that. Thankfully. I I don't know if I would, I I don't even know as a coach, if I'd even want to watch me uh, play, you know, I'd probably get all angry at myself and be like, what are we doing? Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely have like some tragic memories of my football days and, and the, you know, the dive that, that missed, uh, the runner going by. I can still remember coach rewinding that and pointing that out in film on a, on a Monday. Um, all right. I want to get to know, I want to get you to know your team and I'm, I'm just looking at the time here because I want to, I'll have to go to break, but, um, we'll just start with your quarterback. Obviously the quarterback's most important position. Most would say Kaiser Helterbrand. He's a senior. Now he's, is he, is he a is he a running back and you made him quarterback? Is he a quarterback and you made him running back some games? But what the hell is Kaiser Helterbrand? Yeah, well, he he, he is the the team. I mean, he is the in the he is driving this team. Um, he's a phenomenal athlete. Always has been. Uh, dating back to 2019, uh, we used him as kind of a a wildcat quarterback in 2019, uh, and then he had some injuries. We obviously had COVID. Then he had some injuries off that, and then he comes uh, last year. Uh, we use really kind of a duo system. We thought we had some pretty uh, two talented quarterbacks with Kaiser and Cade Garcia. So we kind of split time with them both. And so this has been the first year uh, that, that Kaiser's take, taken the wheel by himself. And, and I'll just tell you, like, like, like obviously the physical tools, the ability to run, um, you know, the, the arm strength, uh, what he's improved on with his passing game uh, is all phenomenal. And credit to him, credit to our offense coordinator, Coach McGuire. Um, but what, like, he has the intangible, like he has the it, like the, you can't coach it on somebody. You can't, uh, you can't, you, it's, it's a gene that only a few players that you'll ever coach have. And it's just the, the, I want the ball in the ha- my hands when the moment is the biggest and I'm going to make the play. And I don't care what I have to do. I don't care who I have to run over. I don't care if I got to throw it, run it, if I got to play running back, if I got to play receiver, cause he has in some games, I will do it. And we're going to win the game. And like, when you have somebody that has it and, and that gene, like it, it is just, um, man, as a head coach, you just feel so blessed and you just sit there and like you get lost just watching him play because you, you're just so like in awe of that. 
Now I'm not going to rip on you here, but and, I, and I'm not trying to rip on Kay Garcia. But if you guys, if you had him split in time last year, and now you see what he did this year, are you going? Mm, maybe, maybe we should have played him at quarterback full time last year. <laughs> uh, no, you know I'm not because I, I, I think he needed it, and we still used Kaiser in some really critical moments last year. Like he still had it like last year, but I think he was still coming along as a quarterback in terms of. You know, I think Kate had a really good grasp of our system, um, and Kaiser was still developing as a quarterback, and it was still becoming the the expert of the play the playbook. So I think, you know, what what we did the the previous year was absolutely perfect for uh, what fit that team at that at that moment. And you split time with him. Did you did you throw him in a lot of different positions last year? Because you've done that a little bit this year, but obviously you got to preserve the quarterback. Uh, has he has he just was he kind of a like plug and play wherever you needed him last year in a little bit? You know, we did not. It was kind of our first year really with him. You know, because he was you know with Coach McGuire and our offense coordinator because he was out in twenty one. So it was really mm-hmm. our our first year with him, and we really kind of adapted some new. Uh, run game schemes at the quarter, you know, as a quarterback runner to do that. And then obviously, like like you said, part of it was we wanted to pr- preserve him a little bit too. And we didn't, we knew if we moved him and we put him, okay, we put him full time at running back that, okay, he's going to take the quarterback hits and then he's going to take the running back hits and it's going to kind of add up. So it's yep. kind of been a, a delicate balance and all that. What was his injury a couple of years ago? Tor- he, he, so he, t- uh, so he, uh, two years ago, it was a bone. I, I couldn't even tell you what it was a bone in his foot that, uh, Oh gosh, well, what was it? So he had that, and then at the end of last season in the seventh game, he tore his ACL. Uh, so we actually didn't have Kaiser for like kind of the last three games of our season last year. Um, busted his butt, uh, was able to be a, at a hundred percent, and that time that we started camp this year. How how rare is that to come back from an ACL? Because usually, a that's a year injury a lot of the times. Although I know, like with yeah, it the is. modern it times, um, and then, and then you yeah, and he, then on top of that, sometimes it's a two year injury. To just get back to normal, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean he he. he I, I've never seen a guy work like that. His goal was to be ready for the start of camp, you know. And here, you know, I'm telling him, uh, our staff is telling him, hey, you don't have to be ready on August 8th on the day that we start camp. You can be ready in September or you know even after the non-conference season. Like you take all time. He he didn't care. I mean he was he was in spring ball throwing passes in seven on seven. Like after coming back, so even. Two three months before camp started, so whatever five months post op, he was already out throwing balls and uh, in, in, in getting to with our receivers, and he he did not let that injury stop him one bit. I was going to say if if uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers should uh, pay attention to what Kaiser was doing. I was going to make the joke that Kaiser could have been listening to Dolphins. You know, I'm not going to say the whole thing. What Aaron maybe, Rodgers? Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. I know what you're talking about. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe Kaiser was doing that in the offseason. So, um, all right, I gotta we got to take a break. I want to continue with UW Lacrosse football coach Matt Janice as they get prepared for their first playoff game uh, on Saturday at Veterans Memorial Field. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom on the phone with me. Continuing our conversation is UW Lacrosse football coach Matt Janice. They get prepared for Saturday's first home playoff game since 2006. They're playing Minnesota Morris. And we'll get into that game in a minute. I'm trying to get to know some of the guys on the team. We've been talking about Kaiser Helterbrand. One thing, now we've talked about how he's kind of a dual threat. He's got 676 yards rushing, 9 TDs, uh, 2,200 yards in the air, 24 touchdowns. Is five inter- interceptions for a for a D3 college quarterback, is that really low or is that pretty norm for a really good quarterback? 
That's pretty good. That, that's, I mean, only have five on the year, especially in the games that we played, um, and, and the opponents and the, and the level of opponents that we played. That, that, that's really, that's pretty, we're, we're really impressed with that. Matt, can you kind of explain this? Because I, I think most people that pay attention to the WEAC, or even I went to UW-Stevens Point, so I kind of know too. Um, the WEAC is, 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 okay, it's consisted of D- Division three UW schools, but the Division three schools in Wisconsin are, they're kind of D2 schools, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of the, the way we have it. It's just really, really good football, uh, really competitive football. And, uh, you know, we played a Division two opponent this year and, and had success against them. I mean, I, I just think... Uh, our state schools, we take a lot of pride. It's a lot of great coaches, a lot of great players uh, in the state. And although every team can't be ranked in the top 25, they're certainly some of the best football teams uh, in the country in our conference. And, and we had to go through that schedule this year. And it was a grind, and it was hard, and it was physical games, uh, really close games, uh, down-to-the-wire games, and uh, just what makes this league so special. It makes it, uh, It's why I love coaching it. It's great players, great coaches. Great environment, uh, and it's just it's just a really special league. Yeah, the state really doesn't have a. Uh, I think there's one D two school. I'm not even sure if it's is it Parkside. I think uh, there, there's not even a. I think so. I don't even know if they football, have a football yeah. team. And you know, like Winona State, that that's close to Wisconsin, but there's just no D two school. So a lot of the D two um, potential kids, I think, end up at UW. Uh, you know, you know UW schools, and that what's that's what makes this conference so much tougher. Um, back to Helderbrand real quick. Obviously, you guys beat UW Whitewater for the first time since um, what was it like? It, it first it, it, you snapped a like nineteen game losing streak. Yeah, you haven't yeah, beaten them in nineteen. Like, hey, yeah, um, Helterbrand, your quarterback, lined up at at least at running back for some of that game. I mean, did you have to pull out all the stops here to beat UW Whitewater? Uh, you know, we changed some things. You know, uh, we our, our backup quarterback uh, Zach Weir is a transfer from Eastern Illinois. Uh, he started a few games down there. And, so we knew we had we you know we knew we feel really good about our quarterback position and the depth and then obviously just with some of the schemes that that Whitewater had and and some of the stuff that Coach McGuire and our offensive staff saw on film uh, we wanted to utilize him in some some different ways and we used him at running back and we also used him at wide receiver in that game to kind of split out and, and change some of the looks that the defense was giving us and it certainly was very successful and put us in a position to win that game. Yeah, you guys ended up you were up like. You were up like 34 to 20. I don't know how late, but at least in the second half, uh, Whitewater came back. You needed a 51-yard field goal to beat them. Um, but but what do you think? I don't know if you talked to the Whitewater coach after that, but do, does the Whitewater coach go, yeah, I didn't, you, you, you had your quarterback lined up all over the place. We didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if us and, you know, our two schools are on talking terms all that much, okay. uh, but, yeah. uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I know we had our, our all conference, uh, uh, meetings yesterday and, you know, talking about Kaiser and he did say something, you know, along those lines is that, you know, without that guy, I, I don't think you guys beat us. And he said something like that. And it wasn't a, a disrespect to anybody else. It was just a, you know, a pretty big tip of the hat to, to Kaiser. Yeah. Without your starting quarterback, it's probably going to be hard to beat the team that's, uh, you know, wins national championships like every other year, I guess. Uh, and 20,000 mm-hmm. fans were at that game. I, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And, and you know what? We had a lot. We had a ton. We had a ton of uh, fans wearing maroon. So that was what made it really special. And, uh, you know, to celebrate, we had a bunch of uh, bunch of alumni at that game, guys that I've coached recent alumni over the last couple of years. So it was just uh, – it was just like it's a, a special moment, um, you know, in a season full of moments, but a special one for for a lot of people, parents, uh, uh, our alumni, like there, and to see some of the look on our coaching staff, and and to be able, you know, that's a team that 
that we've been chasing, and that's a team that we've been we've been chasing here uh, for you know since I've been the head coach, and we've been in two really close games uh, with them, yep. uh, two down to the wire games like that the year before, and to finally uh, you know kick that one through with, with Michael Stack, our kicker, and be able to win that was, was pretty awesome. Yeah, 51-yard field goal from a D3 kicker to beat Whitewater for the first time in 19 years. I always say we shouldn't have field goal kickers or kickers in general in football, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, when you got him, you appreciate it, right? When you don't got him, you say that, right? You yeah. Say, yeah, we just kept kicking. But, yeah, no, he's uh, Michael Vennett's first year kicking, a phenomenal year for us. And, uh, you know, to be honest, like if you look at that, he was going into the wind, too, what a lot of people don't know. like There was a strong wind. Uh, we needed – we needed probably seven yards on the play before to get him at least into range. Mm-hmm. And we got one yard uh, on the play <laughs> before. Uh, so, you know, we call a timeout. They call a timeout. They actually ended up, ended up putting up their, putting back a returner to try to return the kick in case it was short. And, uh, man, he had that kick by about, I don't know, four or five feet. He had, he had another couple yards on that thing still. Yeah, he should just uh, use that one game clip uh, and and. Enter into the draft. See what happens. <laughs> yep, there we go. There we go. Um, all right, moving on. We're talking with UW lacrosse football coach Matt Janis as they prepare for Minnesota Morris in their first home playoff game since 2006. UWL is ranked number four in the country. They're 9-1 and one this season. Um, next, next guy up. So you, this always happens. If you have a great quarterback, you're going to have a great wide receiver. And maybe it's a great wide receiver that makes a great quarterback back. Jack Studer, is, a, is he a senior or is he a redshirt senior? Because I see it two different ways on the website. Uh, he is. He's going to be coming back next. He's year. coming back. Okay, so, so he's only a junior. So he's got fifty-three catches, twelve hundred yards, eleven touchdowns this season. Uh, you know, the two years before that, he had uh, forty-one catches for forty four hundred seventy-nine yards, but also eleven touchdowns. Uh, but that was two years combined. Um, how rare is uh, Jack Studer as a as a wideout here? D three, uh, twelve hundred yards, double digit touchdowns. Well, you know his uh, his teammates give him the the nickname Alien. Uh, because he does things out of this world, and, and that's probably pretty fitting. Um, it is pretty fitting for him. I mean, he has – I've been fortunate enough. I've been at UW Lacrosse now since 2017, and uh, before, uh, before I was the head coach here, I was a defensive coordinator, and so I got to be a part of teams that had some really good receivers. Like, we had Nick Holcomb uh, back in 17. We have Cole, We had Cole Speaker in 18, and Cole's actually still playing for the Montreal Alouettes, and they'll be in the Grey Cup in the CFL oh, wow. uh, this, you know, when, they, when they do that. And then I saw Jake Simonchek as the head coach. He was a first-team uh, all-conference receiver. And now it's like the next guy in line is Jack Studer. And I, I look back at all these guys, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's got, you know, he combines, like, some of the, the best stuff that all those guys have. He's got phenomenal speed. He's got a huge size. Um, he's got great ball tracking skills and being able to track the ball, high point the ball. And then probably the scariest part about Jack is when he gets the ball in his hands, he's really hard to tackle. So not only is he going to run away from people, but the first guy is missing a lot of the times. He's a bigger guy, uh, so so smaller defensive backs have a hard time tackling him. And uh, the guy he's he's gone gone for a hundred hundred over a hundred receiving yards in every conference game except for our last one, in which we pulled him in the second quarter because of the score, and he already had eighty receiving yards in the second quarter. So the the season that he's put together here has been been pretty special for a wide receiver here, and just been. You know, I talk to our, our receivers coach all the time, Coach Frank Tierney, who, who's been the receiver coach here for a really long time. I'm like, is he the best one? Is he, is he the best one that's come through here? And, you know, he's biased. It's like, well, they've all been different, but he is really, really good. So pretty special to just kind of sit back and, and watch that guy play football on Saturday afternoon. Well, if nothing else, he's nicknamed the Alien, so he's got to be the most unique one, I would guess. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's a little goofy too. He's got yeah, he's got a he's got a little goofy side too. Um, how much of of his how much of Helterbrand's success is Studer, and how much of Studer's success is Helterbrand? Because usually you you know like like you could say this you could you could go to like uh, Donald Driver wasn't a great wide receiver, but you know Aaron. Aaron Rodgers made him great. If you go back to you know early Packers, you know Packers days yeah, a couple I, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're it's, it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, it really is. Uh, they're roommates. They're like best friends. So that 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 kind of makes that connection even mm-hmm. more kind of special to watch because of like they just they just on the same wavelength as each other. Um, but I, you know, I think there's times when when Jack when Kaiser's just put a ball up and Jack's been able to go up and get it. Uh, and then I think there's other times when Kaiser's able to extend plays with his feet. Uh, in the pocket and move around in the pocket that Jack finds a way and he finds a way to get Jack open on there. So I think they both play off each other really well. And obviously the connection that they have, that they're, they're such close friends that they're with each other all the time. That like that, like that camaraderie, that, that, that bond that they have with each other plays out on Saturdays. Do you, do you use uh Studer? Like you use Helterbram where you line him up kind of in weird places to we confuse the around. defense? Yeah. We, we get them in some jet motions and move them around a little bit. Yep. Um, all right. How many guys on the team? Because you got Helderbrand's kind of had a bust out campaign. Studer, obviously, like he surpassed his last two years combined this year. Um, how many guys do you have like that on a team? Where and, and that's kind of what makes this season special, I think. Well, unless you say it's only those two guys that bust out, but I mean, you you just have everything come to fruition this year, and it makes a you know puts you as a number one seed in the playoffs. Well, yeah, yeah, obviously there's some really special players, and we haven't got to like our offensive line and what we have there, but then our defensive line too. But I, I think what's, what a lot of people don't know about our team, despite all the, the success that we've had, is this has probably been uh, one of our hardest years as coaches. We've had some uh, really um, just uh, out-of-this-world injuries happen. Uh, we've had a ton of injuries. I, I bet you, I can't even count anymore uh, the amount of starters. I think it's Seven day one starters are out on defense. Um, oh wow! Are still have still been out uh, for sure. It's been three on offense. Uh, we have other offensive starters that have missed games due to injuries, and, and we're getting some guys back. So, so my point is, this has been one of these years where we are just injured all over. I mean, we go through a game and there's like five more. Our, our athletic trainer is just working like a, like a mad woman. I mean, it's we go through a game and there's five more guys out and it's all weird stuff. There's not some of the stuff you can't control. And it's just part of playing the, the physicality of the sport of football and the physicality that you play in our league. But I mean, we've had, you know, our, our captain and three-year starter for us, Ryan Danes. I mean, it breaks his forearm uh, on, a, on a tackle. I've never had that happen before. Had to get surgery to get played in. We had uh, Merrick Dixon on like the, the second quarter of week one tears, his, uh, tears his peck. On just a very simple play, just playing defense, just some really weird injuries. And what's what's so cool about that, and it's not like you don't cheer for injuries, but what's been really cool about that is to watch the next guy step up on our team. And and it's just been a string of that. And that's all it is. And every week, uh, you know, we give game balls out for you know on Saturdays after we win, we give game balls out. And every week, it feels like there's somebody new getting a game ball that back in August or back in. Uh, September, we never even thought they were going to see a field for us. And, uh, you know, to have that with a team and just shows, goes to show you the level of one, my, my assistant coaches and how good they've developed their rooms, whether that's from top to bottom and a credit to them. And then just the attitude of our football team and, and that the next guy up doesn't flinch. He just goes, okay, 
I'm going to give you everything I got, and he just plays his butt off. So just kind of really special with, with the team, with the, with the whole team. Um, obviously, like I said, you don't, you don't cheer for him. You don't want them. I feel horrible that our kids are hurt. I feel horrible that when you only get 10 given days and games in a year that you're out or you miss some or you miss one or you miss a whole season. Right. But, but to watch the next guy, it, it's, been, it's, it's just been really, uh, really rewarding for me as a coach to see the next guy have success. You heard it here. You heard it here first. First, UWL coach Matt Janis patting himself on the back for having all his players prepared as they. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, but one more, one more guy. I feel like stands out, and this guy might be the. And you, you said his nickname is the Joker. So okay, so of course he's going to be the funniest guy. But but it, it, like if you just hear the name Jack Kelly. You'd be like, okay, just plain Jane Jack Kelly. He's got two first names. One's a girl's name, and uh, he blocks a field goal against River Falls in the in the last seconds to win to help you win the game. River Falls number seven in the country at the time. You lose that game. You don't win conference outright. You might not make the playoffs. There's like there's like a whole catechism of things that would that would happen. But then later. After you see, you know, plain Jane Jack Kelly blocked the field goal, beat River Falls uh, to to beat River Falls. Then you see his mugshot, and it's this guy with some, you know, colored hair and not not really your like typical football looking player. Uh, you know, like what kind of flack does Jack Kelly get? You know, like oh my god, River Falls must be like oh my god, I can't believe we lost because of this guy. <laughs> uh, no, because people watch him play. He's just beloved on our team. Like he, like he is. He's our captain. He's a two-time first-team all-conference defensive end. Uh, just like the burst that he has off the ball as a defensive lineman uh, is just freakish. And and then you know with River Falls, I mean, you know I, I elect people captains, and, and we we put people as captains because I believe that at the end of the day, leaders and, and good leaders make plays when you need it most. And like I don't care if they're a rah-rah guy, not a rah-rah guy. I, I, I view leaders as when our team needs it most, you find a way to make one more play. And, and that's exactly what Jack did against River Falls. So Jack Kelly's kind of like that movie, The White Man Can't Jump, where he'd rather look bad and play good than look good and play bad, right? Like, not that he doesn't look good, but he's got funny hair and he's got long hair. and uh, But, but yeah, he's like long, your monster. That's when he's got the red streak in it. The red streak. Puts, sometimes he'll put a red, like a, just a red streak of hair dye in there. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's like that. He, it's a little, mis, I don't know, mis, misleading, right? Then he's out there and he's like, He's your leader on the team with eight tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. So he's kind of the heart and soul of your defense, huh? He is. He is. It's uh, it's uh, you know, and I think the, the the greatest compliment this year has been tough for him because the year before he was able to spring loose. I think he had eleven and a half sacks last year. Um, but the conference spent all off season uh, trying to find ways to make sure that Jack wasn't <laughs> able to do that. And so I think that's the biggest compliment you know teams can pay is when. They're shifting all sorts of protections towards him. They're doing different things to take Jack Kelly out oh, of the sure. game. And he's still found a way to power through and still found a way to take over games. See, I'm talking to Janice too long here. You can hear him walking around his office. He's like putting film on. He's getting he's looking at notes now. He's getting antsy because he's got Minnesota <laughs> Morris. Last last thing, uh Harden Simmons, that's your only loss this year. They're two games away. If they win and you win, if you win two games and they win two games, you you play them again. But that's always the trap, right? The look ahead. Uh, but but you got to be like, yeah, that that would be nice to get them again, or maybe not because they're the only you team know, that I beat you. Look that far. I, like I've been trying. I, you know, I, I told our team the same thing. Like, hey, it's we got this chance right here. The only way to get to the next round is to win on Saturday, and that's all that matters. And yep. figure out what the rest of it pieces out. And 
I know it's natural. I know they're looking ahead at the brackets. I know people are doing that, but as a coach, sometimes I just lock myself in my room pretty much all day and all night. So <laughs> you just focus on Minnesota Morris and that's all I thought about. All right. Minnesota Morris is anything. What's, what's like the, what are they known for? What's scary about them? Just real quick. Yeah. You know, I think really what's scary about them is they're two running backs. They run kind of an option, you know, a gun option type team. And I think they have two really good running backs that are nice pieces. One's really, really big and, and still really shifty. And the other one is fast. And so they do a good job with their option of kind of read that. So it's going to be a, a different look really for our defense here. All right. And it's no secret what's good about you guys. You have this dual threat quarterback. You have this alien at wide receiver and you have this freak uh, joker at defensive end. But yeah, when, we got to get, we got to get Kaiser a good nickname. Now we have the alien, the joker and something else. We got, I got to figure out something for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Helter brand. I mean, he could be something from hell. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like the, the QB from hell, right? Like it's just because he can't. You don't. Go. You don't know where he's going to line up. You, you don't know how to contain him. But does Minnesota Morris uh, do what every other team is trying to do and try to keep that guy inside the box and and make him make yeah. mistakes because he hasn't really done that either. I don't know what's what's Minnesota. You have to predict what Minnesota Morris is going to do, right? Yeah, I think they're going to run. You know, their option and try to try to slow down the clock, try to control the clock, and not try to limit the amount of possessions that that we have, and then. You know, we'll see what they're going to choose. They're going to have to, you know, that's the problem with when you have a really good receiver and then you got an elusive quarterback. You got to figure out how you can play that game. You got to figure out, and we've, you know, I've had, we've been, been on the opposite side of that too. Of, okay, are you going to double cover Suter and then you're going to leave the box free for Kaiser or are you going to do the vice versa and leave the one on ones? And so I think as coordinators, that possesses such a little bit of a, of a nightmare. All right, that's UW lacrosse coach Matt Janis. If we get over 5,000 fans, we'll break the attendance record again here on Saturday at noon at uh, Veterans oh. Memorial Field. Thanks. Let's go. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Fun with you. Go <laughs> Eagles. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back after this. All right, that's going to wrap it up for a sports show of Lacrosse Talk PM on a Tuesday. Thanks again to Matt Janis, who I think was... Running out of time there. You could hear him. You could hear him scuffling around in the background. I think he threw the phone on speaker at one point so he could walk around and and you know you know he's like compiling notes and these football coaches they're crazy right like he's he's compiling notes and getting ready to to start to game plan some more because yesterday I tried to get him on the show but they had meetings all day because for some reason right before the playoffs the we at conference uh, decides that we're going to do all conference voting. Uh, you know, w- w- when the coaches that, l- that are left in the playoffs are like, you know, we we could do that later. We want to kind of prepare for the playoffs. The biggest part of the whole season, the hardest thing to ever get to in football is to make the playoffs. And UWL has done that three seasons in a row now under Matt Janis, which is pretty incredible. Uh, when I first came to lacrosse, I always said, man, this stadium, this this school is really just like being in lacrosse is so awesome as compared to I went to Stevens Point. So I know kind of what the the landscape looks like of other schools and lacrosse has got to be one of the top, if not the top, especially the way the football field is set up. Uh, so, so when the, the team wasn't making the playoffs all the time, or wasn't even that good, it was like, what is going on here? So uh, we, we, you could say we're back to that like nineties era, but we got to win a national championship right now. Uh, we did that twice in the nineties under Roger Herring. So uh, that game's coming up. If we can get 5,000 fans there, That'll set the record. A little bit, a little bit over five thousand fans. We did that earlier this season uh, during homecoming. So I, I feel like I feel like the playoffs will bring more than five thousand. Can we just shoot for six? Can we just shoot for six thousand fans? Uh, meanwhile, Whitewater had twenty thousand fans. I, unless I wrote that down wrong or read that wrong, 
They had 20,000 fans at their game the, between Utah and lacrosse. Janice hesitated there. So maybe I'm totally wrong, but I, I, I don't know. Whitewater has got this thing where uh, people just, they, I mean, they've, they've got a dynasty over there. And it was pretty incredible that, that UWL beat them for the first time in 19 years. Anyway, noon Saturday, UW Lacrosse versus Minnesota Morris at Veterans Memorial Field. Thanks, everybody, for listening.